I'm Jessica Denson, host of Lights On with Jessica Denson here on the Midas Touch Network. And it's my great pleasure to be joined by rock star of a congresswoman, Representative Jasmine Crockett of the great state of Texas. Representative Crockett, welcome to Lights On. Hey, Jessica. It's great to be with you. Great to meet you. Um, right now, you're at your home in your state, home state of Texas on recess as so many things loom um, needing action and you've got this MAGA Congress running the show in the house. Can you just let me tell me what it's like to be home when you know that so many things are not being done in D.C.? Yeah. So your phraseology of running the house uh, is interesting because it <laughs> almost feels like we're in the insane asylum and that uh, the patients are the ones that are running around trying to, to run the asylum. Um, but you know what? It's always good when I have a chance to be home, because when I come home, that's when I get to hear what the real problems are um, and recenter myself. And honestly, I hope that my colleagues are taking this time to reconnect with their districts and hear from their constituents because I truly believe that a lot of the issues that Democrats are fighting for, that they are issues that those Republicans and those independents in their districts as well are believing are really important. I don't believe that they think um, that we should be wasting more and more resources on what's going to be a failed impeachment conviction on Secretary Mayorkas, because I don't remember anyone campaigning on that. And I don't remember that being a high polling issue. Um, but I can tell you that people are concerned about their safety in this country. They are concerned about what is going on abroad and the safety of our country as it relates to what is or isn't happening abroad. I know that they absolutely want us to get a budget passed instead of every other day us saying, oh, let's do another continuing resolution and not know whether or not we're going to shut down. But having some certainty and having some real governance are the things that I believe that Americans are looking for. I definitely want to touch on a number of those topics with you, Rep Crockett, but um, I just, you know, as you're talking about this and their failure at governance, I, I'm just curious, you work in this building with these people that we see um, either peddling conspiracy theories on a daily basis or like Mike Johnson going down to Mar-a-Lago over this break, kissing the ring of, you know, I don't know, he thinks he's Moses. Did he read the Bible? Because the children of Israel were chastised for bowing down to gods other than the one God. <laughs> Donald Trump is, is not God, Mike Johnson. Just a reminder. <laughs> um, but, uh, I mean, what is it like to work around these people? I mean, is their cowardice and their fear palpable as palpable and noticeable as it is to us on the outside? It really is. Um, it, you know, there are those that are very flippant about it. And then there are those that seemingly have a bit of a conflict within themselves, especially those that, um, have served our country in some way, right? Like, I think that for the longest, you would find a lot of veterans that would run for office and a lot of them would be running on the Republican ticket. And so we do have a number of former service members that especially when we start talking about things such as national security, when we start talking about foreign affairs overall, they are very concerned. Um, and to vote in opposition to what they know is right, I think that really does get to them. I think some of the other things, such as the impeachment that I just mentioned, I think that they swallow that a little bit quicker because they don't really feel as if it's worth 
having a primary opponent drawn against them when they know that the Democrats, as we typically do, are going to save them in the Senate. I think that they would have taken the vote a lot more seriously if they knew that there was a chance of, um, you know, there being a radical flank that could somehow control the outcome of the vote in the Senate. I think they would have been a little bit more cautious. Um, it is really sad, though, because at the same time that they may have been kind of flippant about their vote um, and they may have changed their tune if they knew that the outcome would be a little bit more um, uncertain. I, I, I sit there in bewilderment at the level of disrespect that is lodged at the institution itself because their vote on this impeachment is really tearing apart the institution brick by brick. We saw it physically happening with January 6th. And on January 6th, they seem to be on the right side of history. And nowadays we have revisionist history about what was taking place. And so we've had this physical abuse that's been lodged against our institution, but we've also had this level of abuse that's being lodged from within um, to the institution as well in a very palpable and tangible way as well. Yeah, what you describe um, is so, so sad, you know, especially when it comes to veterans, to see these people who are grown men and women on the right, on the Repu in the Republican Party, who they really do know better, don't they? And they are they are capitulating out of really, let's just be honest, fear of losing their seat. That's yeah. it. Then, yeah. And what does that say? I mean, you have shown yourself as a freshman congresswoman that we, you know, we've gotten to see what a leader you are, the fearlessness that you have in those committee hearings. Um, that's what leadership is all about. You know, what I have said, Rep Crockett, from from day one, when I woke up from this this mesmerism to of believing for a second that these people were in the interest of our country, is that if just a mass of these leaders came out together, they could move public opinion. I mean, it is because of their failure to lead on this issue, um, to stop bowing down to Donald Trump, to actually, you know, work in the interest of the common good and public service that we are still in this mess. They have the power to get us out and they just don't have the courage. Yeah. Um, you talk about their spinelessness and you also talk about um, the source of the spinelessness being more so this idea of them losing their seats. And that's actually kind of the worst part about um, what they're doing is that they, number one, view these seats as their seats. They are not. The seats belong to the people. Um, you know, as we are in the spirit of the elections right now, we're going through primaries. One of the things that I always say is that I am consistently fighting for democracy. And for me, representing has to embody what my vision of representation looks like. Now, my vision may not align with the people in my district, um, or it may, but that's what elections are for. People are to hold me accountable. And I always tell the people in my district, hold me accountable. And because I have this attitude of this is not my seat, I am just honored to occupy it for so long as the people say, that they want me in the seat to be their voice, then I don't fear anything. I do govern in a very genuine and authentic way. And we will find out whether or not I'll win my first reelect uh, here shortly, right? Because um, I have decided that I could only do this in the way I would want to be represented 
And I do feel as if there are those people, you know, I consistently get comments to say, man, you know, Rev Crockett is saying everything that we're thinking, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, that's the reality. That's how I envision representation out of my district. Um, and, you know, what is interesting is that they are moving so far to the extremes. They may survive their primary, but they're not going to survive generals, not in seats in which it's tight. So it's like, yeah, you may end up winning that first round, but you definitely aren't going to win the second round. We, we saw this with Lauren Boebert, right? Lauren Boebert almost lost her very ruby red seat to a Democrat because people were over her and the antics, right? So yeah, she cleared her primary with no problems, but then she had a problem in the general, a problem that she fully anticipated that she was going to have in this general. So what did she do? She's fled her district, gone to another district, and now she's having problems and she may not even survive the primary. So my question is, was it worth it? And number two, are you doing this because you really want to be in power? Or are you doing this because you feel like you're an authentic voice for the people that are sending you off to Congress? And I think that we know the answer. We know that there is a lot of elected officials, and I will not limit it to Republicans, that simply sign up because they want to be the boss, but not necessarily understanding or embracing the full responsibility that comes with being the boss. Absolutely. For my short stint in politics, Rep. Crockett, I can tell you that I definitely um, encountered that attitude, this kind of like toxic attraction to power. I'm like, people, like, calm down. It's just, yeah. like this is this is public service. Like you yeah. said, put the service back in public service already. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, I love your attitude on that. And, and you're talking about these impeachments. Um, Obviously, I mean, you were there. They voted on the Mayorkas impeachment one day before they had the seat of Tom Swazi uh, to throw off their math and deny them the votes that they would have needed. As you described, the Senate's going to rescue them. The likelihood, and correct me if I'm wrong, of this actually going to trial and sent in the Senate is very low. Um, doesn't this also very much and, and coupled with the indictment last week of Smirnoff, the GOP's number one source for this ridiculous Biden impeachment. I mean, the Biden impeachment's not going anywhere, is it? Uh, it's going wherever they want it to go. I mean, I, I have no idea. You know, one would think that if the basis for your impeachment inquiry was this piece of paper um, and and this this source who is now indicted for lying on this piece of paper and you've been chasing down this rabbit hole and getting nowhere looking for the five million dollars you know i've said it over and over and over there is no one that can hide five million dollars except for the department of defense they are constantly um trying to figure out where money is but they are the only ones that have successfully been able to hide millions upon millions of dollars I mean, you would have gotten somewhere by now. And so the fact that we are continuing on, the fact that they are about to um, have an interview of the president's brother, the fact that they still are pushing on to interview Hunter Biden, this tells you that the impeachment inquiry has never really been about whether or not, um, you know, Joe Biden is this crime, uh, this criminal mind, right? Like this this amazing criminal mind, because uh, on one hand, he's this amazing mastermind of all the crimes, right? 
And on the other hand, he's a senile old man uh, <laughs> that is so senile that we can't charge him with anything, right? Like, I don't know how you get both. Out Make of up one your mind. Person, seriously, but it tells you how desperate they are and how much they don't want to deal in fact, how yeah. much they don't want to have a policy conversation. And so we see this time and time again, because they're going after the president's character. They're going after his son's character. That is what they're doing. And we see it even playing out in Georgia. Um, the fact that we're not talking about the facts of the crimes that have been alleged um, to be committed by the former president. The fact that there are four different people that have entered pleas of guilty and plan to testify. No, no, no. Instead, what we want to do is we want to dig into Fannie. We want to dig into Fannie Willis and we want to just make sure that we can try to embarrass her and bring her down. They don't want to deal with the facts because let me tell you, the facts are not on their side. And if we can get the American people to ignore the sideshow, uh, the mini sideshows that they are putting on and just pay attention to the facts, then I think that we can get this country back on track. Talk about a sideshow that was absolutely owned by the boss of a woman that is Fonnie Willis. <laughs> uh, she took back the narrative last Thursday. Um, I I don't know if you agree with me, Rep Crockett, but as as a woman, um, I could relate to her so much saying, mm -hmm. I will define myself. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. um, she owned that day. She got yeah. so many, I think, men, women and children across this country yeah. to relate to her. Yeah. Um, I'd love to know your perspective, especially as a black woman in leadership um, to, you know, just handling these kind of attacks. You know, what's what's so interesting and I and I tweeted about this and I told people to pay attention um, because this was the attacks on full display. Um, but we consistently deal with these attacks as Black women in power. I don't think that you have to be elected to deal with this, um, but any Black woman that ends up in power, um, there is always this level of dissension and this level of disrespect that is, you know, lauded towards us. Um, and there's always this undercutting of our achievements. Um, you know, the favorite thing that they love to say now is that we are DEI hires, um, which first of all, wow. there is nothing wrong with the DEI hire if you understand how it works. Mm -hmm. Second of all, um, or they used to say affirmative action, but now that the Supreme Court has given them, you know, a little leeway on, on affirmative action, they now want to say DEI because the only reason that MAGA can see a black or a woman that is in power, let alone a black woman, is if for some reason we were given a handout when the reality is that we have to work 10 times as hard as our white male counterparts to get anywhere in this life. Because think about it this way, we have a president that failed up into the White House because if that had been a black woman that had the number of affairs, that had the, the number of marriages, that had the number of baby mamas, that Trump had, then they would never be there. In fact, a black woman being vice president is too much for them. They want to pretend as if they are so concerned about Joe Biden's age because he's senile or he's the criminal mastermind, one of the two. So that concerns them. What their real concern is that there's a black woman 
that is behind him. They are concerned that if he passes away, a black woman will ascend to power. And let me tell you, she is a beyond capable black woman. And I will stand on that any day of the week because I personally have had the ability to interact with the vice president on more than one occasion. But more importantly than that, what most people don't know, and one of the first things that I told her when I was sworn in and I had an opportunity to meet her was that she inspired me. As a young black lawyer, she was my first inspiration to run for my first elected office because she was elected as a prosecutor, as the first black woman out there in the Bay Area. And I saw this as a young black lawyer. She inspired me. I truly don't know that I would be in politics today, but for my initial inspiration being her, and then followed by that of me also being inspired by Barack Obama. So yes, representation does matter. And there are those that don't want people like me to be exactly who I am every single day of the week, an educated, a passionate, black woman that is going to fight not only for black folk, but I'm going to fight for people that historically have been disenfranchised, forgotten about, or just kicked while they were down. Amen to all of that. Uh, <laughs> I'm so glad that I have you here to share that perspective. I can relate to so much of what you're saying. Um, I'm, maybe I'll touch on it for a minute before you leave. It happens to do with the Ngoron ruling. Um, but what you're talking about, about Vice President Harris, you are so right. I mean, if you turn on Fox News, their attacks on her are so blatant. It is so clear that they um, are trying to scare people. I mean, the, 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 the fear tactics. And I this is coming from someone who I speak very uh, transparently about this, used to be sucked in by the Fox News vortex, and they do a really good job of trying to mask it as not racism. You know, they bring in the token black commentators, they bring in, you know, the token black women to say, oh, no, it's not racist. She's either <laughs> she's either dangerous or incompetent herself. But right. obviously, obviously, there is a race factor. And and especially because she is a woman, um, the attacks on her very uh able you know like like you were saying any day of the week we'd vote we'd be, we'd love to have kamala harris as president over any single sitting person in the republican party today extremely competent trailblazer history maker uh you know bring it on president harris <laughs> if we need yeah. her so but um you know rep crockett you are dealing with um trying to govern in this house, um, serve the people, like you said, on the other side, you've got a party led by a criminal, a someone who's been indicted 91 times, who's been accused by how many women of sexual abuse, liable for $83 million in damages to one woman, now $364 million to the state of New York for engaging in fraud. I mean, what was your reaction when you saw that ruling last week? Um, it was it was pure joy for me. Um, you know, it is interesting because for the longest black people have consistently had the attitude of the system only works for certain people. Right. There's only certain people that are ever held accountable while other people get to skate. And I think it's important what you saw being said by Letitia James, right? Like she made a point of saying no one is above the law. But when you think about who it is 
that is the face of going after a former president, it's a bunch of black folk. It is a bunch of black folk. <laughs> you have Letitia James as a black woman who's like, uh-uh, not on my watch. You got Fonnie Willis who's like, uh-uh, not on my watch. You got Alvin and you Bragg also have like, D.A. Bragg who's like, uh-uh, do this. not on my watch, right? <laughs> and so, you know, this idea of, oh, it's a two-tier system and it's so terrible. I'm like, wait a minute, it's been a two-tier system in this country. Like, we have the data to show it. The difference is the two-tier, we've always been the bottom tier, right? And so now that Black people have gotten into position and they know how far you know, some of these DAs have gone after, you know, the little guy. The least that they can do is go after the big guy because the big guys always get away with it. Not until these very courageous people and and people don't understand as as people were watching um, the Fannie Willis uh, testimony. And there was the testimony of the former governor and the former governor was saying that he did not want this case. But basically, number one. You not you can't pay me enough, okay? Because it's not paying a bunch of money. Listen, I've done court appointments for a long time. I know, okay. It is you you don't get rich doing court appointments, okay? Yeah. So that's number one, but also the level of vitriol and threat that they would have to endure. And you're talking about people who know that in their DNA, their ancestors were willing to be lynched, to be burned, to be raped. That they went through all of that involuntarily, for sure. And then there came the civil rights movement, where they did not know if they were going to be beaten, if they were going to be killed, if they were going to be jailed. But they did it because they believed it was the right thing to do to stand up. And you can tell that that is within the DNA of each one of these people that look at it like, yes, I have been elected, I've been entrusted but I also understand that but for those that came before me, there would not be an opportunity. And I owe my ancestors. I owe them to make sure that I'm just as fearless as they were to make sure that I could get into position. And that's what you see. You see fearlessness. You see them saying, no matter what, we are going to do what's right. You see that Bonnie Willis has had to move over and over and over. That should never be the case. We've been in this country forever and you didn't hear as many times as black people were being locked up all over the country. You didn't hear about how these DAs or judges had to move over and over and over because of threats. <clears throat> Excuse me. That wasn't happening. So, I mean, it is people, you know, I felt a sense of pride when that verdict came down. But I also recognized why it is such a big deal. And I really want people to understand the gravity of what people were willing to do just to do the right thing in this country. I love that you put it in that framing because I have always thought of the accountability of Donald Trump in that respect, in, in kind of a leavening of, of a justice system that is so often inequitable, that is so often not fair. And if we can hold the people who are supposedly the most powerful. I always qualify that because I think real power is spiritual power, not material power. Um, but if we can hold the, the materially, worldly powerful to account, um, that's such a hopeful, a hopeful sign for, for a system that has so often not been just and so often had systemic uh, racism and injustice baked into it. So 
I I love that that framing. For me personally, you know what, Jasmine, I found uh, I found as as I was reading through the order and some other people on my team flagged it. There is actually a reference in Justice and Goran's order to a precedent I set against Donald Trump's NDA. Wow. And yes. And it was it, in reference to a severance agreement that that uh, Donald Trump has paid key witness Alan Weisselberg $2 million um, to basically not testify against him. And Justice Ngoron referenced my case as precedent that this severance agreement, the, those provisions are likely unenforceable. So, wow. yeah, it was That's a huge. Thank you. <laughs> you are officially a part of history. <laughs> thank you so much. But, you know, I've I've um, I, of course, took on this battle. I took it on. I don't know if you know anything and I don't want to spend this 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 uh, interview on on my story. But I started off with no help, with no lawyer, with no money. And it was very much a, a fight against these weapons of oppression and weaponized litigation. These NDAs is that's what these are. Um, from people like Donald Trump and have fought it through until, you know, I set this president precedent and release hundreds more and have not also been my my uh, contributions have been discredited and underreported. So I, I feel you on on everything you're saying. It was very, very gratifying in so many respects to get that. Um, but, you know, Rep Crockett, I wanted to bring this kind of full circle. You're talking about sacrifice. Um, one of the ultimate sacrifices the world got to see was last week with Alexei Navalny. And I don't know about you, but I was really kind of sickened to see this happen on the same week after Donald Trump told NATO to do what the whatever the hell he wanted. Uh, the U.S. declared oh, Russia. I'm sorry. Yes. Telling Russia to do whatever the hell they wanted to NATO. Yeah. Um, the you, the house denying aid to ukraine and tucker carlson platforming vladimir putin i mean this is so sick and the connection to me is so clear what do you think about that um i think that you have an actual heart um and you have an actual mind um and you know we're usually missing one or both um from my colleagues across the aisle uh you know, it is interesting who is lauded as a patriot and who is brave, right? Because um, they want to say that the January Sixers are um, political prisoners and they're patriots and all of that. And it tells me that we have truly failed this country because they have no real understanding of what democracy looks like at all. And, you know, the fact that you had this figure that would push back against Putin um, and he was fearless in that. Again, you know, tapping into um, that ancestral bloodline that I was just talking about, you know, there will be people that will have a part of Navalny um, that will reside with them forever it will inspire them forever, um, making him somewhat a martyr for what happens when you're seeking out real freedom is only amplifying his message that much more. Um, and so, you know, ultimately, Putin is going to lose. Um, I would rather it be sooner than later, but it is time out for playing politics. It is time out from, um, you know, dealing with a party that is ignoring the very real consequences of our inaction. 
It is time to be the big girls and boys that we've been elected to be and to continue our rich tradition of leading the world um, and honestly securing the world. That is our tradition. That is what we do. We play big brother. We promote democracy. We promote freedom. We promote um, the ideals that are born out of our very own constitution. That is what we do. And we support those that have self-determination such as Ukraine. And our inaction and the stronghold that Putin has over the, the pro-Putin caucus, AKA the Republicans, is not only harming us, but it's harming our friends abroad. And you know, one of the things that I was watching here recently was the concern about a nuclear power plant in Ukraine. I mean, the idea that what happens on the other side of the world doesn't affect us is nothing more than a farce. It is time for us to do our sworn duty. And we need to make sure that we are providing the aid that is desperately needed to the Ukrainians right now. Absolutely. And I love that you said that Russia will lose because they have already lost. They have lost moral standing and they um, they this killing of Navalny, like he said, if they kill me, it's because we're strong and they fear us. Um, and we absolutely, absolutely uh, deserve, uh, owe Ukraine our support um, and anything less is is unexcusable. Uh, yeah. Representative Jasmine Crockett, such a pleasure to meet you. Um, please come back and join us anytime here on Lights On. Thank you so much, Jessica. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. Um, as always, you can find all of the Lights On episodes on my YouTube page, Jessica Denson. And please also subscribe to Lights On with Jessica Denson wherever you get your audio podcasts.